Hello everybody, it's Steve from G.I. Joburg. This is episode 149 of that very same podcast. <laughs> I'm in China. We've got Paul up in Joburg. <laughs> Kujo is coming at us from where again? Top of the morning, West Coast. Um, Wait, this is 149? I thought it was 150. Oh, Can I jump on the gun? Damn, son. Uh, as, lo- as far as I could tell, this is uh, episode 149. Unless you're going to, like, pop a sneaky additional release on us. What? I'm, I'm not awake enough to be sneaky yet, so I'm going I'm to roll with you. We are the Triple Time Zone crew. Each member of this podcast is, is somewhere distinctly remote from the other. But I mean, you already knew this, right? You're all diehard G.I. Joburg fans, and you know that we bring the international flavor every time. <laughs> Shall we open the show with a little bit of China talk, boys? Please. Oh, please. my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Okay, wait. So, hang on. Is this episode 149 or 150? I recall a lot from being 148. Oh um, my god, this is episode was... 150. Kujo, it might be 8.15am where you are, <laughs> but uh, you are sharp as a tack, my boy. This is episode 150 of G.I. but who sweats the numbers anyway? I mean, this is probably 163, really. I mean, if you count all the... Oh, whatever. Who's counting the beans? We're giving a show, because it's cool. Pod beans count the beans. Would you, we're, we're pushing 100k. Did you ever think you'd see that number when you started this? Uh, 100k, 100K, 100K that plays. That means very little to me. I mean, I don't know. Does that mean something to you, Cooch? Well, I mean, at least when I think about Signal. No, YouTube is a much larger reach, and I'm sure many people default to that. But the podcast is a lot rawer. Yeah, but this is the only way we can actually speak our minds. I find YouTube... You know, you've got to create meaningful and well-curated content. There's no room for mess, otherwise it's just messy. I don't like channels yep. like that. I want, I want YouTube videos to be focused and have a purpose. You know, don't get yeah. derailed, brother. <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's a show that I listen to um, every now and then. It's called, uh, it's past the NES Punk. Although, uh, or as I prefer to call it, Pat the Nest Punk, because I call it NES Nest. But anyway, and what they do is they they do have like full on live streams and whatever, but they all post snippets of their podcast onto YouTube, uh, and and it's the snippets that they found were interesting, or maybe there was an interesting question, and they'll make that their their YouTube content, and yeah, that is actually Steven. quite pleasant to watch. So, yeah, oh, well. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't presume that uh, we necessarily make for riveting viewing when we're being candid on a podcast. Maybe it goes <laughs> hand in hand with whatever slides you happen to put and how um, slickly you edit them in. But I do appreciate having a soapbox. Uh, this is my place where I can just speak my mind because I do have a lot to say about a lot of things, as you know, dear listener, and... I don't know how you guys out there do without having your own soapboxes. I find it extremely cathartic. Uh, I think everyone should have a podcast, whether people listen to them or not. Just being able to, like, for your own posterity, perhaps, be able to go back and say, hmm, back in 2012, I thought Channing Tatum was a decent actor. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Straw man. (laughs) Um, But getting on to the China chat... 
Guys, I was taking the MRT a lot, uh, the sort of the mass... Uh, well, no, hang on. In China, they call it the, the metro, um, which is the subway or the tube, whatever you want to call it, depending on where you are in the world. It's a very slickly run, very efficient um, underground rail system. And boy, oh boy, I mean, the, you don't feel like you're in a communist country in China because wealth is everywhere. Um, but when you see the level of public works and the cleanliness and the slickness of the place, you kind of know that there is definitely a very heavy <laughs> guiding hand um, keeping keeping society in line, for, for good or for ill. Yeah. Um, but that's besides the point. What I wanted to say was it's extremely cheap. Where in the world can you get a train ride from downtown to the international airport for... <laughs> oh man 50 cents us 50 cents oh my god that's wow. six <laughs> rimnimbi or yuan the local currency that's 12 rand 12 rand paul how much Work did it cost visa. us how much did it cost us Jeez. to get to or tambo from your place about that was 400 like rand yeah. yeah over yeah. 400 rand which uh, is about uh, i don't know 50 the fifty dollars, sixty dollars. Yeah, easy. No, it's about thirty. It's about thirty-four dollars. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Well, no, sorry, my math would be corrected by Mr. Paul Lobsher, artist Esquire. But uh, yeah, but guys, this is this is not because I'm like big on math. This is just because I watch the rand dollar a lot, and I equate dollar prices to rand prices a lot because I'm looking at stuff online. <laughs> and quite possibly because yeah. this podcast comes to you while Cujo's tanking up on caffeine and sugar, and I'm tanking up on alcohol because uh, the sun went down a long time ago. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we roll on into the unknown. Uh, so the metro is cheap, fast, and very, very efficient, clean, beautiful, and very, very secure. You know, you have the electronic gates, which you tap in and tap out, and they open. But in addition to that, you have more than two security personnel at, like, a checkpoint. They x-ray your baggage as if you're boarding an aircraft. And if you have liquids... They don't urge you to turf it out or, you know, down it or toss it in the bin. Instead, they have a device that you put it into, which I don't, through the magic of science, somehow analyzes that this is not a chemical weapon or poison or cyanide or, you know, it's, it, it somehow analyzes without, without probing into the liquid at all. You know, it just basically you put it's your bottle down. Vibes. What? You put your bottle down into this, into this, like, cup holder basically and they're like yeah cool it's it's safe i mean is this just <laughs> time to take your your beryllium <laughs> is this a placebo do you think this thing works at all is it just to keep people from even attempting to bring like a petrol bomb <laughs> that's a new level of security for me well as i say i mean it's a bit jarring to experience but Man, you do feel safe. Like, no one's yeah. going to bring a, a knife onto the train. It will be detected. Mm. Well, I just my my question: People are they friendly on the streets? Do they chat you up? That kind of thing? Or is it more of like people <laughs> are going about their business and keep their head down? Uh, 
Chinese society is not um, chaste in any way. People are people are people. People are merry. People are happy. People get on with their lives, man. It's not like, um, well, I don't know. I, one 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 tends to make generalizations of like the next big bad, which is North Korea, which is a society that I am led to believe is quite chaste and quite um, fearful. Uh, but, but then again, these are just reports. I've never been there. I might've said the same thing about China had I not had firsthand experience. So I guess I'm, I'm here to tell you that like, they got McDonald's just like everywhere else in the world. <laughs> it's almost tedious how globalized this place is. But then again, maybe I'm living in a kind of a la la land of like high end shopping and hotels, which I am, I'm not experiencing real China, but then again, this is the ritzy side of China that any tourist, anyone here, anyone from the West will, will come to grips. I think you have to search a bit to find, you know, real, real China. Yeah. The more rural side of things. Yeah. yeah. You got to go for a drive, man. <laughs> I was going to actually ask now, like you, you mentioned McDonald's, right? Um, have you been to the McDonald's while you were there? It's like, the worst. Actually, it's garbage. Is it? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no. it's not the quali- it's not so much the quality I'm I'm curious about, but like were there any like sort of unique Chinese menu items that you saw? Uh absolutely. Yeah. Um okay. I think uh it's like a porridge. I mean, I don't yeah. know any other McDonald's in the world where they serve porridge, but like it's sort of an accompaniment to your meal. And interestingly enough at KFC, instead of fries, you get a little like dessert thing. Um it's basically like a like a creme brulee, but without the crunchiness. <laughs> Difficult to describe. Oh, okay. It's like a little, like a little egg tart, a sweet yeah, egg okay. tart. Yeah. Yeah, called a parfait. Yeah, like yeah, a little pastry. Something I've I've had. You know, mm. with the uh, like a Chinese. No, I was just curious because I I know that David used to tell me um, stories of how in Hong Kong um, they have different menu items uh, than what they have here, for example. Yeah, and, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, why you would want to go to McDonald's to get your authentic Asian cuisine, it's beyond me. <laughs> That's just I think, I think there's just... No, no, I, I fully agree. But I do think that there is a certain charm in the sort of uniqueness of, of a franchise menu in another country. So, for example, like, you know, like I've heard in Japan, for example, you get like, different stuff as well and for for me that's also kind of part of the experience uh because it's it's same but different you know it was a real eye-opener for me when we were in the states and rob was overjoyed that he could go into a fast food restaurant and have real bacon on his burger it's something that i hadn't ever uh, had any attention drawn to yes absolutely in south africa we have a rather large muslim population and as a result, the fast food chains do not touch bacon. They stick with substitutes like macon, which is <laughs> very ironically beef, uh, which I suppose is just bathed in salt. <laughs> yeah, it's like a smoked kind of, yeah. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. I would say respect to anybody yep. who has those beliefs. But uh, honestly, I think that bit in the Bible about not eating uh, pigs... That means when there's no infrastructure, because pigs are the only animals that eat dead animals. So if you eat their meat, you're eating tainted meat. That's why it's there. Enjoy bacon, people. 
Um, also, people taste much, a lot like bacon, allegedly. <laughs> Cain and Abel or cannibal? You feel me? <laughs> um, let's see. No, Cujo, <laughs> don't go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm not going to do it, guys. I'm not going to do it. It's too early. Oh, isn't um, it a, a line that Julius has in Pulp Fiction about how pigs eat and root in shit? <laughs> Excellent. Well, let me ask you this, because I always get hung up on the terminology. And I, I will say this about China, that it's, I, I could go down a rabbit hole, but I think in 1996, me and Paul have chatted about this a little bit. That's when they made Forex legal to trade in the States. Um, that's the foreign exchange currency. And that's when I started networking with people all over the world, because you got to bounce off other currencies and find out what's going on in their country. Anytime you approach China, they do not trade currency. And nobody knows what the hell they're, you know, like nobody knows what the hell because they're totally different from the West when it comes to their infrastructure. Well, OK, I mean, you're courting, you're courting the danger zone now, but like, and I'm totally going to get censored. Uh, <laughs> but China is embarking on economic domination of the world. <laughs> That's, it's, I mean, uh, the writing's on the wall. They own pretty much all the debt in Africa. And America. As I there are entire nations that are in mm -hmm. China's pocket. Our cities are financed by China. They own mm -hmm. us. And mm -hmm. that's that's a form of world domination right there. Um, a lot easier and a lot cleaner than going to war. Hey, Definitely. I think my message hey. got through. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't come a-knocking. <laughs> Anyways, guys, Speaking it's not of, all gloom and doom. Should we talk about something G.I. Joe related? Yeah, let's... I was going to say, have you seen... I mean, have you taken that cool metro train um, into cities that have had amazing toy shops with weird old random factory outputs or anything like that? Like, have you found anything that's quite unique toy-wise that's interesting to you? Tragically, I have been on the border with Hong Kong and the border with Macau. Um, in two different destinations, Chinese cities, but bordering what is Toy Mecca, essentially, in this region. Um, there is a Hasbro factory in Macau, and uh, obviously in Hong Kong, at, you know, in times of old. So the, the upshot of that is they're right there. But unfortunately, I am here with a single-entry visa, which will be renewed, because we're obviously here for a very long period of time but will probably be renewed with another single-entry visa. I mean, you know, all courtesy of my delightful work. I mean, obviously, they don't expect us to go border-hopping while we're here. We're pretty much, you know, we're here for a purpose, and we're doing the job. We're doing the work. Uh, they don't expect anyone to leave the country. Uh, and if we did, we'd have to have things worked out. One of, our, one of the members of our company was injured and went to a doctor in Hong Kong, and... It took about three days to get that guy back. <laughs> did he have a monocle? What was that, Cooch? I just said, did the yeah. doctor have a monocle? Ah, man, <laughs> if only. I think Mindbender is butt-stamped made in Hong Kong. Yeah. Isn't he? I believe he of is. Of that era, or is he made in China? I believe he is a Hong Kong figure. I don't have mine to hand right now. Um, Somebody I, I check can, out Mindbender's butt. Um, coming, I, I can, I can, with some... Uh, you know, certainly say that a quick kick is made in Hong Kong because I'm looking at it right now and on its butt it's it made in Hong Kong. Hilariously, I also have quick kick staring at you right now. And yeah, man, it's trippy to know that uh, this quick kick will be going back home. 
he will mm-hmm. be able to walk well, the streets of his place of birth. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the character. I'm talking about the physical item. This little toy, yes. this plastic toy, will will soon be in Hong Kong as soon as September. Woohoo! Uh, just while we're on the topic of uh, quick kick. Um, so after our last uh, podcast episode, I totally forgot to mention this. They, if you look at Quick Kick's face sculpt on the toy, his face sculpt actually, in my eyes, in my opinion, is remarkably similar to an actor, a Chinese actor called Bolo Young. And uh, he's actually quite famous in China as well. He's, uh, I would say he's, he's like famous, but like not as famous as like Jackie Chan or any of them. But he's appeared in a lot of really cool American uh, action movies. He's often like a bad guy or some kind of muscle or whatever. But I... I, I wonder if um, Quick Kick's face sculpt was intentionally molded after Bolo Young because he definitely looks like it. And Bolo Young was quite like proficient uh, during that time, you know, in the late 70s and 80s and even early 90s. I know exactly who you're talking about. And anyone who yeah. doesn't know who you're talking about, he was the sort of the muscle in Enter the Dragon. Bolo! Yes. <laughs> he was the dude who crushed, yeah, he... literally crushed um, the uh, the in- inept gods who failed to stop. Yeah. The Intruder, a.k.a. Bruce Lee. Oh, man, dude, absolutely. Um, And I think that was perhaps a attempt to push Quick Kick away from looking like Bruce. Bruce Lee, yeah. yeah. So they used it, they sort of hybridized, I suppose, Bruce Lee's kind of stature or uh, appearance from the neck down with Bolo's appearance from the neck up. It is a bit of a sadness to me that, and I know maybe this is a sculpt limitation of the time, uh, and they yeah. didn't want to mold an additional hairpiece. But like, if you look at Quick Kick's card art and a lot of his comic book appearances, he's got quite long flowing hair, and I thought yeah, that's so much cooler than <laughs> his very kind of traditional '80s flop top that the action yeah. figure sports. I kind of wished he had that. Like, <laughs> it's not a mullet, man. It's like. It's like manga. Like it's like manga hair, man. It's like long man. Yeah, I don't know. Long, long. Yeah, I don't know. Hair. But like manga, manga always like had a way of making mullets look cool. I mean, look at Solid Snake. I mean, even <laughs> you know, like there's a reason the mullet is like in Japanese sort of pop culture because <laughs> yeah, manga made it look cool. I've you been know, looking otherwise... at Solid Snake a lot. You know why? I. I don't because want to read into that. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. We uh, we haven't been doing new shit sections for a long time, but Paul gifted me on the eve of my departure from South Africa a PlayStation Mini. And the first game that I climbed into, like, neck deep, was Solid Snake. I mean, Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> Guys, I've watched enough YouTube content on Metal Gear to see what critics have made out to be its shortcomings and the limitations of the hardware but let me just tell you that game is of mythical status to me it's Mm -hmm. untouchable everything even the wacky moments everything about it is absolutely like it's like stuff of legend to me it's the ultimate gaming experience and I'm not a gamer but I just Mm. So much of the atmosphere of that game is something that, like, I just want to dwell in forever. I guess I'm trying to say even the bad things are good when it comes to that game, and that release specifically. I'm not talking about remakes, 
or earlier versions, later versions. Hey, what? What was it? I think it was just a, a certain sweet spot in my life where I was old enough to be a competent gamer. I still kept the G.I. Joe toy addiction alive. Um, mm-hmm. But there was something else going on. There was always, all of a sudden this new inspiration for like, oh my goodness, I've been doing this all wrong. This is how I want to play with my action figures. There's something special about that game in that, you know, the PS1's graphics aren't as good, obviously, because graphics always get better. But the thing is, that game still looks as good today as it looked when it came out. And that's because a lot of attention uh, to its design. There, a lot of, there was a lot of time uh, spent into its actual look and feel to make sure that in a, in a lot of ways it was kind of timeless. Because, it, you know, all those... Uh, all those textures, I mean, like, they they didn't just do, like, slap on a wall texture, you know. Everything that was done for that was sort of done with the same mentality that was used for, like, pixel art games. And then um, it was brought into 3D so that everything would have this, like, stylistic realism, which Metal Gear has always managed to, to pull off. And the same can actually be said for Metal Gear Solid 2 and for Metal Gear Solid 3 in a lot of ways because they they both have a very good stylized sort of realism to them. Um, and it's not so much that uh, that the graphics look realistic, it's just that the graphics do a lot of things that we accept as real. And it's just amazing. I mean, uh, like for starters, I know that with Metal Gear, uh, when they were designing the levels, they actually would uh, build them all up in Lego. Uh, all of the levels in, in Metal Gear Solid 1 are built in Lego. So they would actually run the camera through these Lego sort of areas to make sure they would simulate the camera before trying to build it in code and build it in 3D. So they could make sure that everything would work the way they wanted it to. And uh, that, I mean, that's awesome. That's like, that's kind of, it's, it's almost like a crossover between like movie magic going into video gaming, you know, like how movie magic would do a lot of like, uh, you know, models and miniature mm. sets and things that's like that. That's why our webisodes yeah. are excellent fodder for the forthcoming G.I. Joe video game because we ran cameras through the environments that we want people to play and I'm yeah. talking out of my ass right now but <laughs> wouldn't it be nice <laughs> something that, oh, uh, that, that so came cool. out in, in one of these YouTube clips I was watching um, which I agree wholeheartedly with the graphical limitations of the PS1 in Metal Gear Solid gave everything a gritty lived in kind of texture you know shadow moses as a location had a a griminess to it which the more polished engine that you see with the uh, the remake the, the games cube version twin snakes oh, you know, yeah, because yeah. it's running on the the metal gear solid 2 engine everything's quite clean yeah. and polished and nicely lit and you know lighting effects bouncing off polished tank armor that sort of thing it's like it kind of removes a bit of the grime and the shakiness mm. and the, the stylized scratchiness that um, that I actually treat as a strength. I mean, who knew graphical limitation would be a strength, but it absolutely is in that game. But, oh, yeah, yeah no, I feel we're drifting big time. I mean, I, I hope that everyone listening to this uh, is a fan. If you're not, we've bored you to tears. But uh, Or inspired you to pick it up and play it. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> It gave me a glimpse of, like, an idealized G.I. Joe video game, to be honest. Mm. I mean, as I was saying before, it became the dominant sort of play pattern for me 
in the immediate wake of Metal Gear Solid, all I wanted mm-hmm. to do with my G.I. Joes was tactical espionage action. Oh, definitely. In fact, I mean, this is something that I'm going to get into when Rob makes his <laughs> eventual return forthcoming. But uh, we played an extremely involved mission, Rob, Al, and I, which I modeled quite a bit on Metal Gear Solid, and I had quite a involved script worked out. I used to script these games. I mean, I was a real <laughs> dungeon master, um, you know, if you want to use role-playing parlance. Um, yeah, that's a good... And I'd take my boys on an adventure with our with our action figures. What a time. I actually think they've changed that term to uh, Games Master. Or they did to, for a while. They changed it from Dungeon Master to Games Master because um, of their connotations with the word dungeon, you know, and ethnic. In our playtime, it was Joe Master then. Oh, Joe Master. Joe Master! <laughs> when I think back to that Snake game, it was the sense of place because you can almost remember every battlefield, but... The enemies were so distinct, and I don't think we'd be out of place if we did the D.I. Joburg treatment of that game, kind of go through and substitute Cobra baddies for the enemies. It makes sense, that kind of thing. Mm. But, no, I think uh, yeah, that's all I had to say. I can I can definitely spin it towards community if you want to go there. I actually want to mention something that's uh, kind of random. Uh, I'm sure you guys have all seen the Top Gun trailer, Top Gun Maverick, um, because I did... Uh, my due diligence and posted it on uh, our Facebook page as soon as possible because I, I it popped up in my YouTube feed and uh, I quickly watched it and I was, well, I was quite shaken and blown away by it and uh, I had to share it with our loving community on Facebook, so I did. And then uh, I, I just got back to my workday as usual and I often will put Netflix on in the background while I'm working. Uh, I'm sure I've mentioned this before on the show. And what was on Netflix but the original Top Gun, which I haven't watched, in all honesty, I think in about 15 years. And, uh, wow. I love that movie. That movie, like, I mean, I've always loved that movie. It, it's, it's, it's formed a huge part of my, like, sort of childhood. It's, but like, watching it again, uh, sort of, I don't know, more of a grown up sensibility, having this podcast behind us now with a few episodes, having done what we've done. And, Wow, I, it's still a great film. I mean, I'm not saying anything you guys, you know, uh, and our our listeners don't know, but it was just such a great experience for me to watch that film again. It was like really watching it for the first time. Um, and wow, I just can't believe how much of that has influenced me as a person. I mean, there's so much Top Gun in me, and I didn't even realize that there are lines that are in that movie that I only really heard as a as a child and as a teenager that have just stuck with me and there's stuff that's just stuck in my brain. I want to see some butts. I want to see some butts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, but damn, it's a good movie. And you know what? I think if you guys get a chance and you've got access to Netflix and I suspect that every, every region has got uh, Top Gun now because they're hyping it up because of the new movies trailer being out. Give it a look, see. I mean, if you haven't watched it in a while, uh, I, I can only hope that we get Iron Eagle um, on Netflix soon, at least in our territory. But, uh, yeah, such a cool movie. Like, wow, it just made me grab my, my um, Sky Striker and take it for a bit of a flight through the house and in the garden. It was awesome. I, I did the whole pulling it out into, you know, takeoff position and all that stuff. And then just like rolled it off and scrambled. It was so cool. It was so, so cool. 
Anyway, kind of reminds I just, me. I just say that. Kind of reminds me of Blazing Sand, where you guys did that take off the uh, the flag. Mm. That, the layering of the sound on there was so tight. Um, no, I think what ha- at least caught my attention about the the new Top Gun is that they made an express point of saying that there was no CGI in it, and then you had like planes yeah. flying upside down, and you're like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll sit for oh, two no. hours to do that. The shit that people can do with planes or with fighter jets is insane. There are things I used to have this argument with uh, a coworker at uh, Anime Works a long time ago. There is um, a scene in the intro of Hawks where um, a jet does a cobra, and um, a cobra is basically where you kind of force the jet into a stall and you pull it up, and it does like a it like stops. It looks like it almost looks like it's doing a drift turn, like the like the plane is doing a drift, you know, like a car would. And it does that, and then um, the plane goes past it, and then it like reorients itself, and then you know it takes the six of the of its enemy. Um, and he couldn't it's believe it's like a handbrake this... turn of the sky. Basically, it's something that Mig Mig Twenty Nines pioneered, I think, because they could kind of just like just basically slam their nose vertical and yeah. hang hang almost you know just hover um, yeah. at the same altitude. And a pursuing plane would obviously shoot past, and then you just yeah. drop the nose <laughs> and pursue. Yeah, exactly right. And, and it's just it's such a sexy maneuver, actually. And there's another one as well. I just can't think of the name, what it's called, but it's also similar. It's also a, a post-stall maneuver. And um, I'm not sure it's a stall, Paul. It is a stall. It's called a post-stall maneuver. Uh, I've looked them up. Uh, because that's what they do. It's a, you actually force the jet into a kind of a stall. Um, it's it's very interesting how it works, but it only works with jets that have a dual vector thrusters and all that kind of stuff. So that, like for example, an F-18 can't do it, and an F-15 Damn. can't do it. Are you um, looking at the blueprints or something? No, no. I've just I've been looking it up because it's also a technique you can use in the new Ace Combat, by the way. Um, and I was like, wow. Uh, I want to look up like how guys do this in real life again, because last time I'd seen it, it was like forever ago. Anyway, he used to argue with me about this stuff. And, uh, it was so cool. Like that you're seeing a lot of this kind of footage again. And I remember actually finding the footage on YouTube and watching his face. And I was like, yep. And when I saw the trailer, I was like, yeah, I I'm getting a feeling there's no CG here. They're doing a lot of really insane stuff. In fact, there is a whole scene, um, in that trailer where they're flying through mountains, like through snowy mountains and they're flying pretty much nap of the earth. Um, and they're doing inverts, you know, like they're inverting and, and diving. And it's like really, really sexy stuff. And there's actually a mission in Ace Combat, in the new Ace Combat game, where you do exactly that. Where you actually have to fly, um, fly below SAM sites, pop up, take out the SAM, and then go down again. Um, and it's insane. And it's exactly like that. And it's fast. You have to move super, super fast. And I mean, me being cocky and Ace Combat as, as I am. Um, and then it was just cool seeing stuff like that in Top Gun and in the new Top Gun trailer. I would also do those kind of inverted drops because I was just being cocky, <laughs> you know, like come up, that like come up, invert, cocky. drop. And it, yeah. So anyway, it's quite amazing what they can do. And sometimes you, you actually look at video games and stuff like that and you think, oh, shit, that's not realistic. But then you see something like the Top Gun 2 trailer and you're like, oh, my God. Wow. I, why did I not become a fighter pilot? Oh, yeah, because my country's army so. <laughs> and is bankrupt. Oh dear. And is bankrupt. We, 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 we could be invaded by Zimbabwe at this point. 
Yeah, we, we've got Grippins, ladies and gentlemen. Um, if you can feel them, you can have them. <laughs> oh, we shouldn't touch it. Community, <laughs> gentlemen? Is it, is it community? <laughs> Save us, Cujo. Save us. Save us. How ironic. Um, no, I'm curious. Uh, Cobra Convergence 4 is winding down. Maybe they're saving the best for last. Is there any entries, anything that caught your eye along the way? Or ear, rather? Well, there was this um, this one that was sort of front-loaded, um, this channel that did, uh, because the theme of Cobra Convergence is Cobra Blue for this year, well, there was this channel that reviewed every single blue Cobra toy in their collection. And I thought <laughs> it was damn cool. I mean, what a novel thought. The only thing linking these toys is the fact that they're Cobra and they're in that sexy blue color. And you know, and the two guys on the on the episode because I watched that it was like forty five minutes long, which was great, by the way. I love, I personally enjoy long YouTube videos. Well, when they're riveting, when you know, yeah, they, when it's long, they're quite charming. Yeah, absolutely charming and long. <laughs> yeah, like you know, what what more could you ask for? You know, I I, I would have been nice had they featured, say, maybe a televiper, but you know, they probably didn't have one to hand yeah, <laughs> at the time. Uh, but they did definitely have some bare feet. <laughs> let me ask about that those gentlemen yeah. this gives me an opportunity to ask maybe a, a question that could be taboo when I say sitting Indian style is that taboo do you guys know what I'm um, saying when I say that do you mean like a lotus position like maybe your, but if yeah. one of those gentlemen was on this podcast I'd ask him how did he sit with his legs crossed like that for so long Yeah, because I, I know you guys were like hunkered down like truth tellers on the carpet but Dude, I hope there were some edits in there because he was like sitting with his legs crossed like that for like 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, there was one edits, but he definitely was seated like that for 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> we did catch a bit of flack for our rather interesting choice of camera angle. But I must tell you that the dominant thinking uh, when putting that video together was like, it's a Sunday morning. We are sitting in my childhood room at my folks place. With Joe's on the carpet, like we we're we're basically taking a snapshot of like us over the ages, you know. Yeah. The men in the picture might be old, but like this scene played out since time immemorial, basically. It's it's yeah. that is my childhood right there, seated on the carpet in my childhood room with toys around us with my buddy Rob, so. You know, you can knock it for the obvious, uh, <laughs> I don't know, weirdness of it. Or you can look a little bit deeper and realize, huh, these are childhood friends and they're just getting down like it's 1995. <laughs> I, I dig it, man. I think it, uh, I thought for me, like, the vibe I got from it was exactly what you just shared now. Oh, well, thank you, Paul. Mission accomplished. But we're not talking about us. Uh, well, we have talked about us, but let's... Let's widen the lens a little bit. Gentlemen, has anything piqued your interest of particular notes in uh, Cobra Convergence 4? I think you have to bring up, uh, and I, I knew he'd been cooking this up for a bit because he kept piping it, but I think you gotta, I think you have to mention Cold Slither with uh, Joe on Joe. Um, yeah, that was cute. <laughs> just because there was a lot of voices on that thing, there's a lot of production. If you've not caught that, obviously, if you caught it, catch it again. Um but no, it's that was uh, that was next level stuff production wise. Uh, cheers, brother. 
you know that that's something I wanted us to do. Uh, or what, I mean, I'm not like sitting here going, Ugh. I'm just like, I think it's such a cool idea. It's like, it was an idea I had as well. I didn't want it to do it with us. I wanted to do it with the toys somehow. So and I was like, you watch the episode, then you watch behind the music, right? It, it, the, the narrative yeah. syncs up. It kind of does. Yeah. Okay. Kind of does. And like, now that you mentioned that, you know, that episode took me by surprise when I saw it for the first time. I was like, I could not believe that this episode exists. And it is one of my favorites. And I love that song. And don't get me started because, yeah. <laughs> don't get him started. Um, what, what, I, I, I'm a little out of my element here because I can't remember the name of the Jeep. But I got to tip my cap to a Plastic Battles with that Blood Runner. I don't think Holy he built shit. that. But Dude, that was that like is, a... That is an ice snake repurposed yeah. like a, and painted a in murdered like, out ice snake dude it's so good <laughs> oh, yeah. amazing you you i mean he swapped out the front wheels for is it a steering rack from a desert fox and that paint color is gorgeous i mean everything about that yeah. catalog snap is gorgeous but uh yeah no that that props to to our buddy paul that was fantastic Paul Panfalone, Plastic Battles. Bam. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the lenses that people have not capitalized on. Like, if indie indie figure designers aren't teaming up with Instagram after that, that's a hell of a way to drop a figure, like with a faux kind of mail away. I like Mm -hmm. it. That takes my mind back. I also dig, um, like, uh, Judson Maybe, uh, or, or Mezzed Up on Instagram, if you prefer. He's been uh, doing some cool customs lately, like very, like I would say like subtle stuff, but it's been very cool. Like that's actually what makes it cool is the subtlety of it. And and he's been sort of building, um, I don't want to say like a mini universe, but he's like sort of filling in the gaps of his collection with um, custom made vintage Joes. So it's not, it's not modern day customs, it's like vintage customs. And uh, he got his hands on like an Annie, uh, geez, like, I can't think of the name of that car now, but it's like a... It's a Duesenberg, dude. There I we go. Annie the Musical. Cool it's a Duesenberg. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll take your word for it, bro. I just couldn't remember the name of the, the car for some reason. It escaped me. And yeah, he's done this cool, like, sort of motorcade for, for Cobra. And uh, he's got this great driver, which uh, looks like it's repurposed uh, from M. Bison, the Street Fighter figure. Something there. There's, yeah. like, parts there. Anyway, he looks so cool. <laughs> he looks like a real driver, but, like... Still badass. Like, if shit goes down, you know, he can, like, throw some fire back while, you know, the Baroness, Destro, and Cobra are fleeing for their lives or whatever. I must say, our buddy Messed Up One has got an incredible eye for repurposing things and making them work sublimely. Like, we all know what it means to Lazy Boy Custom. Anyone familiar with the O-Ring style sort of swappability of parts is has done, has tried their hands at it. But what Mezdap does is create such compelling LBCs and then adding a very tasteful swipe of paint that they look like production models. They look like they were always intended to marry those parts together. Like, it's... They're good. They're very, very good. He's created... I mean, it it seems to to march in time with the theme for Cobra Convergence 4 that he's creating a blue, an entirely blue Cobra army, pretty much, uh, with a little splash of purple from time to time. But uh, a largely blue Cobra army of 
you know, specialists of um, different Viper classes, but using a plethora of parts that, uh, it's so good. It's so good. Mm. I hope you guys, if you don't know what I'm talking about and don't know what Paul's talking about, I hope you track this man down. Um, his customs are tight. And it's not often that I have that to say about O-Ring style customs because I treat O-Ring as kind of venerable and, you know, it's a it's a formula that you don't mess with. Like, don't mm. paint O-Ring figures. Don't customize them. They're perfect. Leave them alone. <laughs> but uh, Where were you in my childhood? Mezzed Up has, has found a way to customize O-Rings that don't insult the sensibilities of a purist like me. And that's totally, some like, high praise. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, like, he, he has this one, uh, the one thing I just want to uh, add there in closing is uh, he's taken a very, like, some spare parts that he had left from other figures. He sort of put it together. And uh, when you see all the parts, like, mashed together, you're like, okay, well, that's just funky. But then he painted it up like a green shirt. And I thought that was, like... It's him. I immediately thought, holy crap, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's him. He made him. himself. Yeah. He made himself, but it was just like really cool to just see it like that it was like 90s parts but it looked like an 80s figure uh, as yeah. well which was oh it was, it was a very cool thing i also have that problem it's something i can't get over i'm curious he used a wetsuit uh 90s wetsuits torso so it's got yeah. a kind of a wetsuit to it and the character's specialty is demolitions i'm wondering mm. if the, the the specialty followed the parts or did the parts dictate were the parts dictated by the specialty or vice versa? Like, was he like, oh, I'm stuck with this wetsuit torso? I should ask him. <laughs> um, yeah, because we should the wetsuit torso has got two what look like magnetic um, mines that you would yes. attach to ship hulls. Um, so that either dictated that he make this character as a, a demolitions expert or he sourced those parts because he wanted to make himself a demolition expert. Um, about uh, the Joe and Joe podcast contribution for Cobra Convergence, what do you guys think of the Zartan impersonation? Self-serving. <laughs> <laughs> Not too shabby. No, no. I think the, con the continuity was about us. It's incredible yeah, to me that these things can be done in isolation and then they sort of synthesize so well. Um, but then again, uh, it was a tight script. Uh, Joe mm -hmm. did concoct a really, really gripping, funny, uh, sweet, uh, intelligent script. I mean, you got to be pretty deep on your G.I. Joe knowledge to weave a mockumentary around mm -hmm. an episode of the cartoon so, so seamlessly. MTV's behind the music. Totally, <laughs> totally, totally. This is Spinal Tap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that was very cool. That definitely stands out. To be honest... What else? What else, Paul? What's your one? What's your? What's your? What are you gonna throw into the ring? No, like the Coastal of the one definitely stood out for me. Um, it's definitely the one that I loved, and like, you know, I'm allowed to toot our own horn, but I like the one that you and Rob did, quite a bit actually. But wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. We're launching another one in like, I don't know, fifty minutes. 50, yeah, exactly point. right. <laughs> I don't know what it is like, and and this is by no means meant to be like insulting or anything to to the community as a whole, because the whole purpose of Cobra Convergence is that we all get together and we all bring our flavor and everything to the whole to the table and stuff. But like for me, it's just it's just a lot of like okay review content and showing this and showing that and whatever. And 
I'm not saying that that's not cool. It is cool because, you know, those guys have definitely done well. I just think I'm at a point where I'm like, and this is unfortunately, I'm just going through this right now as a Joe collector, where I'm not really seeking out Joe media stuff. I'm kind of just sort of, you know, taking my opportunities as the toys come my way and making a plan to get the figures and stuff like that and whatever's and, and sort of thinking of our webisodes and what I want to do with our channel going forward more than sort of watching people's reviews at the moment. It's I know it sounds bad, but it's just that that's kind of where I am. Senior Buzz Killington. But did you check out Kickley's painting? Yes, uh, his stuff is awesome. Like He does a very, very cool style of thing. But his Cobra Convergence painting? I didn't watch that. I didn't watch the... the I just saw that that's what he did. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. You that's know? good enough, man. I mean, yeah, did it not just like, set your mind alight with... Like, yeah, very much so. I like his Cobra style cool. a lot. Oof. See, the thing is, like, when I see stuff like that, it just, like, it's a weird... I don't know, I'm just in a funny mindset at the moment with myself. But, like... I see stuff like that and I'm inspired by it because I'm like, shit, you know, I want to do G.I. Joe art now as well because I love doing G.I. Joe art. But then I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to because then it just feels like I'm also, I'm just being a copycat and maybe I shouldn't. And... Well, dude, I've been rocking your t-shirts all over China and anytime yeah, I wear yes. a shockwave to breakfast, they're like, ding dong, what does that mean? I'm like, how long do you have? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you a story, children. Mm. No, dude, that shirt is is a knockout. I love that, and I I'm actually sad that I haven't gotten one for myself because it's it's a damn cool shirt. But I feel you. I mean, Paul, I'm gonna bring the, the enthusiasm for both of us because I know like yeah. you go through phases, and right now yeah. I am very much in love with the GI Joe content creators. So I you know I can bang on about this, but I've been loving the work of all the usual suspects, of course. You know the full forces, the Joe Motion videos, 82s. The Joe Fan 82s, you know, HCC, (laughs) he's the man. He brought us all together. We owe him so much. Form BX257 brought us the EEL version 2, which, oh my goodness, who (laughs) does not love that toy now? I mean, all of a sudden, I, I, I look on it with a lot more fondness than ever before. I mean, this is always Rob's toy. And, like, yeah. he used him kind of superheroically because he had all those blades on his body. So he kind of and the colors and, flew yeah. around slicing people to, to ribbons. Um, but, like, now the shock. I'm, like, I'm all about the shock. Jason Merle, mm. I mean, you've also done, done great work in terms of, like, getting my fire burning about that damn shock. Uh, he's now on Viper's Pit podcast. So check him out. Um Everyone's been been doing terrific work. Um, obviously, I'm not gonna be able to mention everyone by name, nor would I want to. You're not you're not listening to us to hear a list. I certainly hope you have expanded your GI Joe content creators' uh, vistas over this month because it's it's terrific to see how many there are out there. Like there is enough to fill every calendar day of a month now with new stuff. Yeah. Um, that's that's pretty good going for a, a toy line that is no longer, you know, at retail, as it were. Um, but I, I'd like to sh- th- throw some spotlight onto Toy Poloi, who I'd never watched before. I know who the oh, hell Toy I'm I've been right. living under a rock, but that yeah. guy's got a terrific style. He absolutely has earned every single one of his subs because he does terrific how-tos. He's so calm. Yeah. He's so knowledgeable. Like... 
Damn, man. Oh, I've learned so much from him. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Paul, we should have been shooting how-tos, man, because you've done some great fixes for me in the past, and uh, I kicked myself that they weren't uh, chronicled. Um, oh. But that said, his Mindbender restoration video is an eye-opener. I didn't know there was any, I don't know, any tangible way to kind of fix elbow cracks. I mean, there's no real fixing of elbow cracks. Once it's cracked, it's cracked. Live with it. But uh, he seems to have some kind of ma- magic mooty that makes it less noticeable, and that's that's huge. And yeah, he, like... he repaired a crotch. Repaired a crotch. What the yeah, hell, that, man? I, think, you, sir. I actually think that's one of the first videos of his I ever saw. Uh, uh, viewed. I think it was a crotch repair. And then he had some, uh, oh, he had a toy restoration. He took some old, I mean, this was a while ago, so like a year or two ago, I think, that I watched the one video, and he just restored a a vintage figure, but, like, from, like, it was in a real shit state, and he actually brought it up to, like, a showroom shine, and I learned a lot from that video. I mean, in fact, it's actually him that I think got me onto using Gugon. Yeah, so, like, yeah, he's great. Uh and uh, I love I love the name of his show, Toy Poloi. <laughs> that's, that's very cute. Yeah, man. Stephen, are you make... still breaking off names? Uh, I can p- pass the torch over to you. I mean, I could keep on going. I mean, obviously, retro blasting threw a contribution into the ring. Very entertaining. So, <laughs> yeah, man, showing off that uh, silver conquest at every turn. <laughs> um, analog toys, love that guy. Um, in fact. I was recently very touched by uh, an Analog Toys uh, unboxing video where he received something from uh, Mike Mercy. And, man, there's a certain time code that someone linked me to where he's just breaking down, man. He's so swept up with emotion at this, uh, this toy that Mike sent him that, like, it's a beautiful thing to behold. It really is. Like... Anyone listening to this, and you gentlemen as well, you get it. You get the appeal of these things. Mm. They're so special. You know, it's the reason why we shun pastimes like fashion and, you know, (laughs) sports and hobbies. I don't know. Like, toys have overshadowed all of that for us. So it's a very real and palpable thing for us to see grown men and women swept up in emotion at the sight of being reunited with a, a favorite toy mm. from their youth. I mean, it's it's quite magical. It really is. Love yeah, I, I, Carry on, Cooge, as you were. <laughs> no, bro, I definitely didn't want to rush you. I, I think, like, look, different medias bounce different things. I definitely think G.I. Joburg is kind of a community intersection, uh, and I think at its best it probably should be. But, um, no, I was just going to say, uh, just to... If I want to transition a little bit, uh, you guys were talking about Mezda. He's one of a few people that... What does that... Stephanie say about your transition, bro? <laughs> um, can you be more specific? I live in Long Beach, y'all. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think uh, I think uh, Mezda finds our comments on Podbean occasionally. Uh, one of a few select folks that do. Um, and honestly, like, I thought YouTube's comment section was bad. Podbean doesn't even tell you you got a comment. And I just went digging. There was like hundreds of comments. Not all of them I, I could bounce off of, but 
think Thank there's you. a couple names that turn up. It's messed up, and who's the other cat? Tetsuo's Wrath. Thank Tetsuo's you. Tetsuo's Wrath, yes. And I know, he, I know he finds your Facebook comments, or that's what you said. Uh, and our YouTube quite a bit, yeah. No, Tetsuo is no stranger to our YouTube. <laughs> I will say this, brother. I'm only on one platform, and, and honestly, Podbean is glitchy as shit. Like, you try and look at the comments, and it's not there. I think a, a couple things that I will touch on, and maybe I can seamlessly bounce back and forth. Paul, you were mentioning, like, sometimes you click on a jail video, and you're like, oh, man. I think that's I think that's actually a compliment to the community that so many people who are out of their element when it comes to video content, what have you, they're still out there. You know, I think that that's yeah. a credit to people like Joe, uh, Joe fans who may be on the uh, 40s or 50s. They see they see just average people. They see HCC. They see you guys. Actually, Steven's a looker. So you're out of that. But yeah, just stuff like that. I think uh it's on record now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't edit that. Um. <laughs> Someone said on my kind of wedding video that Rob put up, uh, <laughs> hey, it's a seven marri marrying a nine. <laughs> to which I Jesus. had to comment, thanks, dude, but uh, don't ever call my wife a seven. Come on. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> nice little Joker illusion. Um, oh, that's the best line ever. <laughs> What does he say? Uh, if anyone calls you beast, I'll pull their eyes out or something. Like, oh, uh, Jack Nicholson's line from Batman. Yeah. I think hey. if I would put a just a wash over a lot of your comments, Raph. I know we're in your ears. Cheers, brother. I appreciate the feedback. Here's here's the thing that you do. You ask a lot of questions that I can't answer. But one thing I will say is that internationally. G.I. Joeberg has always taken the temperature, you know, like that's we speak our mind and sometimes we get burned, as you know. But no, I mean, we can't go hard on certain things. That's not that's not what this is. So, no, uh, hit me up in the emails. Always. You could anybody who's out there that's like that person is borderline unhinged. Oh, look me up. I'll always chat you up. Well, I mean, this is a very roundabout way of saying that if uh, you feel like we froze you out on Podbean comment threads, we haven't. It's just very tedious to try and keep track of. Um, so we apologize and yeah. uh, find us in other means. I mean, as 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 we know, I mean, Tetsuo's Wrath, you you do comment on the YouTube vids. Uh, I don't know if it would be appropriate to comment on a on a podcast on those vids. I mean, uh, it's tricky. I guess the podcast yeah. we we can't let the podcasts be one way glass. You know, we need a a dialogue if there is a dialogue to be had so if you do want to comment on specific episodes maybe maybe dm find us twitter facebook shoot no. us a, an actual message um mm. directly that way we will definitely see it hear it because yeah podbean yeah. ain't great man sorry yeah podbean podbean doesn't want us to interact with our fans um at least the way that they've designed this system the, we never get notifications, and then half the time, like when you want to reply to people, it is kind of a mess. It's yeah. I don't know where to find it, but by my own admission, I am a technophobe. No, but it is clumsily done. Uh, it's, Techno viberophobe. It's, it's almost as it's almost as good as Android. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not an Android. <laughs> Shots fired. I think I did want to mention a couple more things, community-wise. Bobby Valla's Kickstarter did wrap up, and I know that I can hear Stephen going. Where are you going with this, buddy? No, I, I just want to say that uh, I think that chat we had, how, whatever whatever turns it took, 
I think, dude, codename Door Kicker. You just kicked the door open. Not everybody makes it the first time, but but it gives me an opportunity to say a line that I've been sitting on for years, and that is this, Bobby. Jet fuel can't melt steel dreams, baby. You know what I'm saying? Repackage that shit. Uh, the community's behind you. Uh, well, turns out I think he is. He's streamlining, yeah. streamlining it down to five characters. And that, That's right. should, yeah. that should fund... I mean, guys, I can't believe no one said it and, like, it needs to be said. And I've been sitting on it for a while. But, like, how much was raised in the old end? Like seventy or $80,000? That's yeah. no mean feat. Mm. You, you look at a Kickstarter and you say, oh, it didn't fund. Well, shit. A lot of money was thrown at it. Yeah. It's just a case of not... It, it's a case of catering to the level of demand. And I mm. think Bobby's being very smart, and I'd like to applaud him, and his tenacity... You know, yeah. this isn't a defeat. This is this is market research. <laughs> Very much so. And and uh, I mean, as it as of the time of recording this podcast, uh, Bobby Valor did put up a survey. So if you are one of the backers, uh, you have no doubt no doubt received an email from him uh, with a survey uh, to pick your top uh, five um, figures from his release um, or from his uh, Valorverse. Uh, Kickstarter that he's doing. Um, otherwise, you can find it on his Facebook page, and I believe he's also put a link to it in his Instagram. And particularly if you're not a backer, he wants yeah. to know which characters could potentially have piqued your interest. That's another smart move, I'd say. So yeah, guys, uh, this is this is an ongoing saga. This isn't the end of the novel. Which is cool because he's obviously gone. Like Steve said earlier, you know, like it's like what seventy-five odd k US that was raised for this. That's seventy-five thousand dollars. Saying yes, we want these figures. I think it's closer to eighty, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like, yeah, in the in the sort of the the, the last, you know, the cu- last couple of hours of the Kickstarter, it's 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 yeah, there was some enthusiasm. Yeah, definitely, well, and that that's like a big yes for these figures to happen. So. I think uh, the fact that he's not letting this die and he's going to make it happen. Uh, listen, a- anybody who does that with a Kickstarter, you pay attention to because that's how you know for sure you're going to get something that is going to be outstanding. So, yeah, go and, go and check it oh, out. I, think... I mean, if you, can't, if you, if you haven't li- heard us, hear us now. Go and check it out. Help him make it well, happen. That's... I think this also it, it's also another allusion to G.I. Joe fandom being not just slightly ahead of the curve, but way ahead. Um, Because, I mean, I would say this, that if you're on the comic side, the people that are racking up numbers have been very divisive. Um, I'm not going to go there. But I think that one thing is that you have to establish a signal when you're on the come up. And Val is doing it right. I commend him. Mm. Um, So let me spin the comic a little bit. I can can update that. I know there's a couple people in Joburg. I mentioned the original 13. You want to talk about measured victories? Yeah. Um, but but as, as I look back, this is exactly how it should be. Um, the black book is going to hit like 50K. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a book that's going to be talked about for the next decade, maybe longer. Um, that's not hubris. That's not hyperbole. Um, it's design. It, it's built to travel. And... Uh, It'll be uh, traveling probably Monday this week. If you picked one up, it gets to your mailbox this week. 
Um, and I'll say this because I'll probably write it down. I'll, I'll write everybody a note. At the end of the book, there's two characters having a conversation, and uh, they're actually talking to you. So when you see that, when you see a box around one of the words in that conversation bubble, that's a prompt. Um, I'm going to create a podcast. Uh, the original 13 are all going to have a voice. Um, if this goes right, you guys are rolling with uh, Dragon Squad now. Um, Dragon Squad! <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'll ask for some feedback. We're going to turn it into a podcast. So um, cheers to everybody that got involved. If you didn't, there's probably 10 books at play. They're 20 bucks each. Um, hit me up in the DMs. You'll get one. If you only buy one comic this year, buy something good. But if you buy two, the fucking black book will not let you down. I promise yeah, you. Yeah, buy two good things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and while you're buying stuff, uh, and uh, I wanted to say this earlier, but I suppose here's the best place to slot it in. Uh, if you loved um, the Eel 2, uh, G.I. Joe Book has its very own uh, Eel 2 Eels 2 t-shirt on Teespring, which uh, I'm quite a fan of. It also features the shark on it. Uh, and then we've also got our very new, super new, this is the first time I'm making it public, is our uh, Storm Shadow shirt and um, our Cobra Ninja shirt. So the Storm Shadow shirt is, as you imagine, it's a really cool artwork of Storm Shadow, even if I do say so myself. Some of you may have actually caught it on one of our live streams because uh, I was working on it in the background. And then I've done a special version where you can basically choose any color shirt, and that's the ninja that you wear. So you can choose a teal shirt, and then you're a Cobra Viper or a gray shirt, and you can be a Black Dragon Viper, ninja, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Cobra Ninja Viper. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just, I did all of that. So if you guys want to, like, they're there. They, um, I've got ladies sizes, I've got ladies fits and gents fits and kiddies fits because kids love t-shirts. I tried to make some very cool, uh, leggings out of that design, but the problem with it is, is that no matter what I did with the pattern, it always looked like Storm Shadow was jumping out of your ass. So <laughs> I couldn't make that work. <laughs> so I'm so sorry about that, folks. Um, I will revisit it. Um, I'm working on some ideas for that, for the leggings as it stands. Not that the leggings are big sellers or anything, but yeah, if you want to go and go and check out those shirts, they're on Teespring. Um, yeah, and uh, we got links to that in our face on our Facebook page as well. Just Paul hawking his crap, whatever. I was gonna say you need to find somebody that wears leggings on Instagram. I'll put a link in the description below. Oh, thank you. You can also check out the link in the in the description below. And yes, Kujo, you're absolutely right. We need to get someone to model those leggings. Just send somebody a free pair. Well, my wife is in demand after uh, <laughs> that surprise unboxing. Ooh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> I, yeah, I, well, like how, I like how uh, she's, she's come into the channel, Kim. Uh, she got it's... a cute butt. Kimurashi Kage. I'm not going to go there. Jabba. <laughs> I, I well, like the... Go ahead. Is her name Kim Arashikage? Hmm. It says yeah. classified on her file code. Her original yeah. file code. Which makes her as secretive as Snake Eyes. Man, mm -hmm. this character's got legs, man. Not quite. Or she should. Not mm -hmm. quite. What is... Uh... Okay, how how versatile are the pajama pants? Like, how versatile is that red outfit in your play patterns? Gotta be shadows, right? Cooch, she has no name, and her face is hidden. How she somehow... Less secretive than Snake Eyes. There's certainly less known about her past. It sounds like a cover story, man. She's like 
what she she went to college in the United States and then she lost herself in Japan and discovered her family were ninjas. That is bullshit. That's hot air, man. Yeah. That's a that is a big cover story. Well, we don't know what color fingernail polish Snake Eyes wears. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> does. Although I imagine it's scarlet. Uh, but guys, I mean, it's easy to sneak around when you're dressed in black. You're dressed in the dragon gi. That's something else. It's a good-looking figure. Good-looking figure. Ah, uh, Jinx mm-hmm. is awesome. I really wish they made the San Diego Comic-Con version of it a standard release. Like, I wish that was the standard release for her. That's a cool toy. Yeah. Yeah. And it did kind of because the movie version is exactly that body just with the different heads and yellow, which I'm not against. I'm not like against yellow jinx. I actually think yellow jinx is pretty cool, but I'd also like a red jinx because secret reasons. <laughs> what have we forgotten, gentlemen? Definitive footloose. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was an allusion to your shower misadventures, brother. No. Uh, let me tell you guys, no matter how ritzy the hotel or how squeaky clean the facilities, public showers, man. That's essentially what you're getting in a hotel room. It is yeah. a public shower. Unless they are deep cleaning, disinfecting, like, fucking chucking a antibacterial bomb in this place. Yeah. It's going to have shit from <laughs> thousands of feet. Over yeah. the course of the year. Yeah, man. In college, you learn to uh, wear flip-flops into the shower and old uh, pizza box tops is for <laughs> toilet seat buffers. Damn, man. But it's so tedious. That, like, all of a sudden, I do not have a shower, access to a shower, which doesn't require me to wear flip-flops. It's... Oh, come on. Yeah. So, yeah, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm just medicating a case of athlete's foot at the moment, which sucks. I mean... Whatever. It's easy to live with. Is, does G.I. Joeberg YouTube, uh, can they anticipate kind of a China figure uh, video kind of thing? Like figures traveling around, that kind of thing? Yeah, like, you know, when you came to the States, you had, you know, you did kind of a documentary. Are you going that route? So if there's anything worth uh, shooting a, a clip about, I will release it as part of a kind of a behind the bamboo curtain Thanks, Jim Godfrey, for the idea on the title <laughs> um, series. And I've done part one, and that was when Kim... I mean, ironically, she brought me a parcel of Joe's which had been forwarded onto her address in Australia because, yeah, anywhere in the world to Australia, two weeks maximum. Anywhere in the world to South Africa, two months minimum. Minimum. It just sits <laughs> in a big warehouse in a sorting factory in, you know, the customs land for, for two months, basically. So, yeah, I, I now have all my mail forwarded to her, and she mules it to wherever the wherever the, mm. the two of us meet up in the world. So she did, and it was it made for great content, as far as I'm concerned, but, and necessary content as well, because, yes, you, you should show off things that people... F- feel necessary to send you which is wonderful but we gave a podcast on that topic last time didn't we didn't we gents i bored you to tears <laughs> with talk of all these cool swags and uh their place in my collection oh no no i was were you riveted paul i was excited for you vicariously of course i was course. yeah i was excited i always get excited when my friends get cool shit like you know the law of the universe man 
you get ex- you celebrate your friend's successes and you celebrate their toy hauls. You know, that's yeah. you know when I your friends always, get new shit, be excited for them. I always lament my friends getting new shit. I'm like, wish my that's a, a separate conversation. I think <laughs> that's so sad. The lamenting. No, dude, no, I kidding. used to be the like greed. that, but like shit, like I used to be like that, but then I was in the situation of like I was surrounded by. I mean, this is before I, I met you, Steve. I mean, I was surrounded by guys that were getting shit all the time and, like, buying, like, five or six games at a shot and stuff like that. And I'd sit there and be like, mm, I'm so happy with my one Gundam that I bought, you know? Yeah, look, I think there's a lot to be said for contentment, at, as, you know, about where you're at. Mm. A lot of what's, in my mind, what's wrong with this hobby mm. is the constant nag of what's next yeah never feeling like you have enough sometimes you should just take your foot off the gas a little bit and treasure what you have as opposed to what's around the corner like, mm-hmm, totally mm-hmm. anyways no i mean that's that's definitely fodder for another topic um but like yeah i guess i guess i'm in a privileged position because i'm kind of as a collector i am where i always wanted to be i've kind of reached collector nirvana it's, it's not. Use the word I was pull that use. word privilege could get us in trouble. <laughs> no, I was gonna use Nirvana, not privilege. <laughs> you know, if I if I stumble onto something I like, cool, I'll add it to the collection. But I I no longer have lists. Boom. Boom. Oh, yeah. that's so smug, gentlemen. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. A brief twenty-five minutes to go before. The race, race will premiere on YouTube. Just a little something, the race? something. The race. What could it be? What could it be? It's a bit of a mystery. It's uh, it's. So there are two types of webisodes um, that GI Joe Bird produce. The first is one that I script at length, uh, with consultation at length, uh, to my co-contributors. Come and mess up his script as much as I can. <laughs> of course. I typically <laughs> sit at uh, departure lounges and script these things, dreaming of coming home to my collection and being in a position to take some toys out into the South African sun and play with them at the beach or at a river or in a mountain. And then there's, there's the other kind, which we do things in, in reverse order. Me and a buddy... It could be Paul, it could be Rob, it could be Alistair. Hasn't quite been Cujo yet, but I'll get you one day, buddy. We pack some toys, we go out to a cool location, and we just... I wouldn't say play. You definitely have to cater towards the fact that there's a lens, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, so no, you push, it, we push a narrative, yeah. There, there, There's a definite goal, but the plots is completely organic it is a dialogue between two minds two veteran toy aficionados who may have come from the same background or from distinctly different backgrounds but we contribute to a narrative we work out well ourselves into a plot and then out of that plot out of that situation to bring it to perhaps not the most satisfying end because an end should be conclusive. But where in conflict, particularly the sort of titanic conflict between G.I. Joe and Cobra, good and evil, 
can there ever be a conclusive victory or defeat? So we play out the scenario, shoot it, and anything could happen. The race is such a tale. Alistair and I went to a location with an idea in mind and some toys to, to play with. And we just let the environment and our own narrative persuasions dictate what happened. Mm. So uh, it's a subtle little piece, but one that I'm nevertheless excited to release onto the world. Always am. I know people like this stuff. A select few out there. We're using a little a little used Cobra figure, aren't you? I mean, this is going to get dated in about 20 minutes, but... Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I mean, YouTube, you get about a sort of a, a week week's worth of, of promotion. So this won't be dated. If you're listening to this now, check out The Race on YouTube cha- on, on our G.I. Joburg YouTube channel, uh, and you will see perhaps a little insight into why Gung Ho is quoted on Copperhead's file card. There. That, that's oh, something that'll peak you, nice. uh, Cooge. Copperhead's a, a late a late riser. I see a lot of Joe fans kind of turning him up. Well, this there's some satisfaction to this story on multiple levels because I never had much appreciation for Copperhead. But the gentleman who hooked me up with this motherload of Joes recently, he loves Copperhead. So I'm trying to tap into the, some of that love. I'm like... Trying to find that love. And also, <laughs> is it too early to say that G.I. Joe Book does fan service? Well, Andrew, <laughs> this one's for you, buddy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the least we could do. <laughs> but don't you find is such like, an interesting figure. Uh, he is. And, uh, and on that note, I was going to say, like, as somebody who's now, like, you know, I mean, all of us are, like, kind of, I don't want to say veterans, but I mean, we've been doing this G.I. Joe thing for a long time, right? So we all know a lot of these characters really well, but there are a lot of characters in the G.I. Joe toy line, uh, at least, that we don't know, that we don't really have a lot of experience playing with uh, at all, that are sort of, in a strange way, finding new light. I know for me, uh, at the moment, it's it's Charbroil, of all people. Like, I've got this uh, great uh, Charbroil that came my way, uh, that I got my hands on. And, uh, he's always been like a cool toy, but like, I've, I, I've never like thought, okay, what are we going to do with him? You know, how can I figure him out? And I've just been like playing around with that toy a little bit lately. And I'm like, what is the purpose of somebody who starts fires in GI Joe? You know, like what, what does he do? And, and I'm sure there's a lot of GI Joe fans out there, um, who also have the same like sort of wunderbar moment. They kind of look at their collection and they go, ah, oh, Crockmaster or Crystal Ball or, um, Wild ball, you know, what, 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 what's that all about? Oh, buddy, when the helmet design and the associated card art is so damn good, does that even matter what his specialty is? No, that's true, but I, I don't know, it, it, it's just kind of, like, for me, I, it's just, uh, it's like I'm rediscovering the figure, if that makes sense. Charbroil was my most read figure <laughs> back as a child, so I used oh. him as the Flash, because <laughs> the TV <laughs> show was so huge at the time. Oh, yes, yeah. With the, I think it was dubbed there. into Afrikaans, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 it was, it was. Oh, oh man. Yeah. I used to squint my eyes and use charbroil, just sort of zip him around the carpet, like, super fast. <laughs> I would, uh, 
I would put Charbroil in the same class as Hydro Viper. The package art looked badass, but then you're like, wait a second, his hair is that red and that big fat tube? What's up with that? Oh, no, dude, I, I've got to say, like, sorry, you just mentioned Hydro Viper. Hydro Viper is a, a, a toy I never even knew, like, really existed. And it's actually Steven that sort of uh, brought him to my attention. Sure. The hell are you saying? And I love that toy. I think it's such, oh, sure. like, never mind the character. I think the toy is just gold. It's absolutely okay, beautiful. Since and, no one and ever it's... asked me any trivia questions, um, I'm going to say that... Uh, <laughs> Cujo's number one diver action figure is the 1985 eel. And Paul's number one diver action figure is 1990's Undertow. And Steven's number one diver action figure is 1988 Hydro Viper. The Viper, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Dude, If anybody has three of those figures standing next to each other, take a picture of that, send it to Joe Berg. That's going to be a new t-shirt. That's going to happen. Stay tuned. (laughs) The Hydro Viper t-shirt is coming. That's got to happen. That thing is sick as shit. I love it. You know what? You should do one of those evolution shirts where the eel is like crawling. (laughs) And then by the end, you got Hydro Viper with the claw hand. Dude, I'm so scared. Uh, I'm I'm actually kind of scared with the the t-shirts at the moment because I know that there's a certain amount of like fair use. um, Because like in the back of my head, I'm kind of like once I've sold 200 of, of any of the actual characters, I'm going to stop selling them because uh, past 200 is past fair use, as far as I know. And I know that it's always a gray area. So I don't want to piss off Hasbro. It's more like if I get a letter from Hasbro, I'm hoping that it's going to be more like, hey, listen, you can't do this, but maybe, you know, could we like try and figure out something, you know, move to move uh, forward? Hey, go coach. until you get a cease and desist. Exactly. I'm that- not entirely sure Hasbro would want to send one overseas anyway. Your legal costs multiply. Yeah. It'll take two months to get there. <laughs> that too. Oh, totally. <laughs> uh, but, but the thing is, like, so I, I've kind of been, like, cautious about that. But at the moment, I'm just, like, the most fun I have, like, for me, drawing Joes, like, the purpose is to put them on T-shirts. Like, if I draw a G.I. Joe, its purpose is to be on a shirt right now. And so, mm-hmm. like, that Hydro Viper has got to happen. And now that I think about it, how cool if you take if you think about it the hydro viper the sea slug and the the sea raid they kind of see to me that's like a sub team you know on in its own right you know the hydro no, viper sort of hydro viper is a sub team of one one is, yeah that's right he is the ultimate he's about to t- tap deep six on the shoulder about 3000 feet underwater and go Kucha, <laughs> <laughs> 3000 feet why not Wow. Crush death. That's right. Um, I would say this about legal teams, and I have a history of bumping into uh, people, but I always like it when somebody sends a cease and assist because then it starts a conversation. I mean, it yeah, hasn't always worked out well in the past, but no, I, I would love it if a legal team said, you need to stop doing this, and I would say, now that I have your attention, let's let's talk. Yeah, Paul, I didn't want to burst your bubble or anything, but I mean, I, I, I don't know if our numbers really necessitate any kind of legal action right now. Yeah, well... I know Hasbro is careful about their IP, but like, mm, we're minnows. They are? They ain't letting, the, 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 letting jo- um, the, 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 the cats at Fun Pub have their way with it anymore. Hmm. So that says a lot. Or nothing at Can all. I, somebody's still awake. 
I wanted to check, is there anything else you want to mention? I know San Diego Comic Con sort of happened recently. Oh, fuck There's that. Nice. Of, and it was dominated yeah. with the Avengers, so leave it alone. Yeah, no, no, I I actually don't care a shit about it except for one little thing that they announced that was pretty cool. Uh, the yeah. new HasLab offering, which is that uh, massive Unicron figure, which is quite amazing, oh, actually. Are you going to plunk down your $800? Not a fucking chance, because I don't like uh, Unicron enough. But it definitely got the Joe fans excited. Uh, the Joe fans were all, like, hoping we would get a, a new flag, which I'm sorry, uh, Joe community. Every single time. <laughs> you, we're not going to get a flag. And the reason we're not going to get a flag from HasLab is because they've already done a flag. I think we're going. To, if HasLab ever does anything for G.I. Joe, it will be a big something that we haven't had before. And I'm pretty sure they've got a uh, like a box full of ideas of stuff that they've always wanted to do and haven't had the money for it. And uh, yeah, and I can tell you now, GI Joe is very much at the bottom of that list because I'm pretty sure we'll get like a HasLab My Little Pony playset or something long before we get something for GI Joe. But uh, yeah, I think uh, if they ever did anything, I've got a feeling that they might do something from the Sunbow cartoon, to be very honest. And I think it might be one of the castles, one of the big uh, Cobra castles from that. Uh, uh, dude, the Cobra Chopper oh. tops out on that. Sorry. No, it definitely does, but the Cobra Chopper... It's such is... a refined design. You think Cobra headquarters and, like, Terradrome ticks that box more than anything else. Everything else is so, like, amorphous. It's like a temple with a snake Do you head. mean that big thing from the movie? Or do you mean the the one with the snake face, the jet with the uh, that they that all kind of or... blur into one, but the the toy that is sort of laser sharp in everyone's mind's eye has got to be, and I don't know if I like the name, but it has been the kind of the unofficial handle for it, the Aspid. Oh. Yeah, it's okay. an acronym. I don't know what it stands for. Uh, it doesn't really sound cool, but neither does Cobra Transport Helicopter. Um, yeah. But everybody knows it. That purple <laughs> sky crane looking motherfucker that can disengage the, the cargo section and replace it with paralyzer tanks. Or hisses, hopefully. Well, we'll see. I mean, like, I, I, I think that that is too small game for, for, Has, for a HasLab thing. I don't know, bro. I mean, if done scale correctly, it's a pretty substantial toy for G.I. Joe, which is definitely not Hasbro's front-runner IP yeah. at all. Oh, true. <laughs> I mean, God, for all we know, we could get surprised with a pit. I mean, Larry Hammer's always had that very cool um, uh, sort of diagrammatic drawing of the pits that was featured in a few of the comic books and with the different sections. And that in itself could make for a very cool toy, a very cool playset, which I think uh, in equivalent plastic. Very cool cupboard. Yeah, it's very much Jabba. Yeah, but it is very much Jabba's sail barge um, in in you know GI Joe headquarters form, if you know what I mean. Like that would also be something. Could also put, I don't know. I don't to know. do it justice would be Jabba's sail barge times ten, because mm. you'd have them stacked. Yeah. Nah, you'd be better off just using cardboard boxes, kids. Which Glenn Peak does to great yes, effect. Yes, yes. I stand by it, man. The Cobra Transport Helicopter. Yes. But we are T minus ten minutes away from the premiere of the race. Of the race. I we do have to the, run to these it. premieres. Let's get some good seats. 
Cool, good. Yeah, let's let's head over there. Um, I do these premieres because why? Because it's the more immediate way of gauging an audience's reaction, and it's nice because there are a, a, a sort of a a core group of guys that seem to always be there, and it's a kind of a distillation I find of the core group that joins HCC for his live streams. These are the guys who. Like, if there's new Joe content coming up and they're available, they'll sit down and spend time with the community. Because that's important, man. If given the option to enjoy this stuff as an island or enjoy it with in the company of like-minded Joe fans, whew, always do it with your like-minded Joe fans, man. So it is with some regret that you're going to be listening to this podcast having missed the premiere. But uh, catch us on the next one. Find us on the socials. You know how it is. Nice. Closing remarks, boys. I've done mine. Episode 150, Stephen went full circle. Now he loves community. <laughs> I like it. 150, baby. 150. Stephen is drunk. 150. Come on now. 150. And, 150. Uh, you know, 100,000 all means- downloads. I mean, cooge. What does that even mean? Numbers. Stop obsessing about this shit. Brother, my world is numbers. It's been my it's been numbers for a while. No, I a hundred K means hundred K, baby. Uh it means that your voices circled this world and people have said that man is either a jackass or I agree with that person a hundred thousand times. How's this? <laughs> I I will I will I'll add something just to make the metric uh, a little bit more digestible. I have worked for people who have spent a lot of money. Um I, I've <laughs> A lot of money. Like, let's just say they could have bought a car with the money that they've spent on building um, intellectual properties and things like that. And their YouTube has only had, to date, in the 10 years that it's been out, I think a 1,000 views. Um, and this is a product that was commercially uh, available in South Africa that, yes, I was, I am very proud of. It's a cool product. But I'm just saying. We're you know, people spent a lot. They spend a lot of money. So, smart talk. GI Joe. Start up that engine. Start it up. It's race time, baby. Let's do it. We've just done some cool stuff. So go and check out the race. If you want to uh, race over to Teespring as well and go get yourself some new GI Joe book t-shirts, please do. It helps me get to Hong Kong so I can hang out with my main man Steve while we go and check out the toy, uh, the toy capital of the world. And uh, you know that we'll bring content to you, or at least I will try to bring content to you. But yeah, this is uh, not an aid of a good cause. But uh, an eight of you looking awesome and showing your G.I. Joe love in the best way you can. Because let's face it, a lot of the other G.I. Joe shirts out there aren't that great. <laughs> I said it. Cool. <laughs> this is Paul from Joe Book signing off. Cujo, top of the morning. Next time, let's get the full scoop. Oh, the scoop's on the way, man. You're going get to get the loving scoop, Paul. But uh, this is 150, Steve signing off. Uh, yo, Joe, everybody, check out the race, check out the Teespring, check out G.I. Joburg, check out Cobra Convergence, check out everybody. Everybody. Yeah, Joe. Berg. Cool, we're keeping it alive. <laughs> Let us.